0: So, I kind of want to start with a recap for all you sinners that weren't here last week. (laughs) Now, you sinners that were here aren't any better. So, um, for all the sinners in the room, I'll give a little recap. And if you feel you're not in that category, the altars are always open. Uh, So, last week was a, a bit of a heavier message, as I said, if I ever do this again, I won't uh, say that the next week will be lighter or more joyful because everybody's holding me to that now. Uh, several came and, and said that. Um, but last week was a little, a little weightier. Um, it was kind of calling on all of us to uh, evaluate our own lives and determine, are we professing to be Christians or are we truly acting and living the Christian life? Uh, we looked at that quote from Spurgeon that kind of split that into two categories uh, for us. Um, and, and if you are living a different life, different than the world, there is reason to rejoice. That's a great thing. If there's no difference between you and your unsaved friends, that's probably somewhere you need to spend some time evaluating. Uh, we talked about not conforming to the ways of the world, to look different Uh, than those in the world. Our goals, our responses to things should all be different. Uh, We talked about the Acts Church and how they lived and and what a pattern that should be for us and how how we live. The things that we do, the things that are important to us um, should be different. And and so I kind of want to just carry that on today talking about living the Christian life. So it's more than a profession. It's more than back in the old days when we took our school tests and you filled in the oval that said Christian. That's not it. That doesn't make you a Christian. And so living the Christian life is, is what I want to focus on a little bit more today um, before I get too far into it or forget. I want to pray over the message if you'll join me in that Father God, I just thank you uh, for this opportunity. While certainly difficult for me, I, I, I thank you for calling me to this. I pray that you would give me strength and give me the words, give me your wisdom. I pray, Lord, it would be all about you and your glory. It's not about me and my words. I just pray, Lord, for each person here that, that your words will fall on their hearts and they will, they will give them due thought and due consideration uh, just thank you again for this time. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would be in our Amen. Amen. So, two things I guess I kind of want to look at is, uh, a one, how do we live the Christian life? Of course, there's many ways, many things you do. Um, I just want to focus on one, and then later on, get to a why do we live the Christian life? So I'll be in 2 Corinthians 10, if you want to turn there. That's the first scripture anyway. I'm kind of going to bounce around like I did last week. My The, the scripture I was reading, uh, this section was titled, Paul Defends His Ministry, which is interesting. Most of us wouldn't consider Paul being someone that would need to defend his ministry. <laughs> I'd never really thought about that. Um, one thing... I I feel like it's just another time where we can look at the church in Corinth, they're clearly humans, and they were even so bold as to question Paul, of all people, and and discussing things that they saw, how he was living, what he was doing, and to the point where he felt the need to uh, give them some explanation back. Um, Churches weren't perfect then, and they're not perfect now. That doesn't really have a lot to do with the point I'm going to make from the scripture. It was just a little bit of backstory there. So in 2 Corinthians 10, reading verses 3 through 5, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, now the flesh, we'll talk a lot about today, and I think, for me, that's our sinful nature. That's what we're born into, every person here. It's what we desire. It's what we're drawn to, The flesh. And Paul's admitting we walk in the flesh but though we walk in the flesh we're not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That last part is what I want to focus on today as far as a how do we live the Christian life we take every thought captive to obey Christ that's us obeying Christ so I split that into two categories I guess number 1 being a more proactive approach to your thoughts uh, again, in talking about living the Christian life, how many, how many know we are not—that's not our nature—to live the Christian life. It will not happen by accident. It will not happen on its own. That's not who we are. So, if that's the case, and again, going back to last week and saying that our lives on those things—to plan ahead, to be proactive. We know we're supposed to read the Word every day. We know we're supposed to pray every day. We know we're called to be a part of a body of believers, to be present. Not to show up, but to be here actively seeking God and how we can be a part of this body together. None of that will happen on its own. If we don't make it a point daily, ahead of time, to to think on the things of Christ and living the life, it's not going to happen. Taking the thoughts captive. So in that case, you're making the step before the thoughts just come into your mind, which leads me to the second part of taking every thought captive, and that's more those kind, the thoughts that just pop in our head. How many know we don't need anybody to help us come up with negative bad horrible thoughts i've talked before with people sometimes that stuff pops in your head you just want to shake your head get that where did that even come from well it comes from our sinful nature our flesh that we must do battle against all the time because that is what's what we're prone to think i always give the example to my sunday school kids when you're driving along And that driver dares pull out in front of you or cuts you off in traffic. What's your first inclination? Your first response is not usually a good one, right? (laughs) I mean, that's a good example, though, of a time just like that. You know, you may have your kids in the car, and if you say something that you shouldn't, you're just showing them how to respond. That's an example of a time where you can take that captive and say something positive. Let them know that's okay. And, of course, that's an easy one. But we all day, we're thinking things of people. Sometimes, when, you're, when you are on the right path and you're trying to take thoughts captive and you don't want to go down those negative roads, it may be something that you've already dealt with, and here comes somebody to share it with you again. Right? Oh, I'd already dealt with that, and here... he. He's railing about it again, and you might be strong for a bit, right? But we tend eventually, yeah, you know, you're getting me riled up again. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. And next thing you know, there may be three or four or five or ten of you. And pretty soon, we're just churning that over amongst us all the time. We're not, in those cases, taking our thoughts captive to obey Christ. We're allowing ourselves... To live in that flesh, to live in our sinful nature and our sinful desires and going down the wrong road. So I encourage you to think then what that same situation is like if you do take those thoughts captive. Now like I said, maybe you were able to do that, maybe you weren't. But either way, you get in that group with that first person or those few people and they're talking about something that they don't like, that you don't like. What difference would it be if you were to say, you know, I don't really care for that either? That's not really the way I would have done it or or how I feel about it, but it isn't going to do us any good to sit here and be negative about it and go back and forth. That's not what we're called to do as Christians, especially if you're talking to a a fellow church member or, or another Christian that professes the same thing as you do, to say, I know you know that too. And maybe. You both get on the right track, and maybe you get kicked out of the group. We don't need that positivity in here, right? If that's what happens, that's what happens. But here's the difference, too. If you make that stand, when you come and stand in this pew on a Sunday morning, how much more able are you to praise and worship God? Because you've got nothing like that going on. When you come in and you've carried that stuff that you've tossed back and forth in your group at work or, or whatever it be, you've already got issues there that are keeping you from being able to come and worship God. But again, you taking that step might impact them and it might impact the whole group. And pretty soon everybody together is focusing on good things, positive things, and we're all growing together in the Lord and lifting each other up. Take thoughts captive. I know that's one how um, of living the Christian life. But to me, you don't do much of anything without thinking about it first. Heartbeat and breathing, thankfully, I don't have to think about that. But most everything else requires you to think about it, to ponder on it. And so if you're taking the negativity captive and making it to obey Christ, you're... We're drawn, when somebody presents the negativity to us, we're drawn to join right in. That is our nature. It is not easy. Again, I go to Paul in Romans 7. Most all my scriptures are familiar. Um, He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. As I was preparing this, my first response to that for you guys was, isn't that so relatable? But then it kind of dawned on me, or is it relatable for some? Because If you're not struggling with living the Christian life, if you're just existing in the world, that probably isn't all that relatable. It's not something that you're struggling with at all. I was one time sharing with a a young man about my faith, and that's what he said. Well, I'm not struggling. And I said, well, no, I know you're not struggling. That's the point. You're just living and existing and everything's good. So for you to really identify with what Paul's talking about there, first, you'd have to admit that there's places that you need to work and changes that you need to make. And if you are there, it is very relatable what Paul is saying there. You know what your struggles are. You know what your sins are. And you're battling them but you're failing at them because we always will. We're never going to get to the point where we don't struggle with sin anymore. But it's about being in the fight, and that's what Paul's talking about there. It, living this life, as I said, it takes you being intentional about it, making that choice every single day. It does not just happen. It is so much easier to live in the world And enjoy all the things that this world has to offer. Instead of giving up the time to work on our Christian life. We feel and are so much more drawn to enjoy what the world has to offer. I think even some of us, if we're honest, we really compartmentalize our Christian life. We want to have just a little bit of that, just enough Maybe that's growing for some, but we want to keep that over here because I want to be able to go back into the world and enjoy everything that I want to do and pursue everything that I want to pursue. And what's crazy is that, to me, that represents such a large example of settling for something less. And yet, we continually fall for the lie that it's something better. Hold on to the things of the world which doesn't even compare. Those of us that have experienced a little bit of growth in our relationship with the Lord, that joy is deep. It doesn't leave you. It's joy unspeakable, as we sing about. All the joy and happiness of things in this world are fleeting. No matter what it is, it it, it will leave us. It will go on. And... Yet, we chalk up the next thing we're going to chase after to provide us, again, just a little bit of joy. As I was, (coughs) I guess, finalizing or, or working on this message this week, in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a man. And it was almost subconscious at first, and pretty soon I started, I was really... Where's that coming from? And I, I thought, you know, is that a scripture? Where, where is that? So of course I Googled it because it just kept in the back of my mind. It's not in the scripture, Heather, but it's Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And I think that's what that's talking about. The way that seems right is the way that's easy. The way that's living in this world. Pursuing all the things that this world has to offer. That seems right. Why does it seem right? Because that's who we are. And that's what we enjoy. That's what we want. That's what we want. But its end is the way to death. So that's leading more into the why of living the Christian life. If we're talking about that we know we need to and we know it's difficult, we must understand our why. Have you ever been hesitant to share your faith with someone because you know they won't see the value in living a Christian life? They won't know the why. Are you struggling with the why? Why am I living the Christian life? Or ever been questioned by a non-believer, maybe a coworker, excuse me. Or he, again, the same friend we talked about last week that's a non-believer, whether your life's any different than theirs. If you have made that step and they know you are a Christian and your life is different than theirs, have they ever asked you why? Why would you do that? Man, Sunday that's my day. Why would you give up a Sunday? Why would you go up there every week? 10%, 10% plus? Are you crazy? Like, what are you getting out of that? Why would you do that? Are you feeling that way? We need to understand why, why it is that we're doing this. And it's got to be deeper than, oh, it's what I've always done. It's what my Parents did, my family before them, it's just who we are, it's what we do. It's got to be more than that, because that ain't going to stick, that ain't going to last very long. So for the rest of this, I have an analogy of the Christian life. It's not a perfect analogy, you could shoot holes in it. But it's the one that came to me, um, as I shared last week, one of my Nights awake when I'm thinking about these things, it's what came to me, so I'm going to share it. I think there are some good parts to it, and we'll see. Um, Ten lanes of interstate traffic. The road of life. I don't know how many of you have been to California. I was there briefly once, and I'm glad I wasn't driving. Like I said, maybe even more than ten lanes of traffic. Now just saying that for some presents anxiety right off the bat, oh my goodness. Um, And I'm not talking parking lot, I'm not talking traffic jam, I'm talking everybody going 80 miles an hour, bumper to bumper, exits all along the way, we're all headed in the same direction. And all those exits is everything that the world has to offer. You just exit off here and you you can have that. Uh, you got the guy in the left-hand lane, knows where his exit is. He's going 90, honking, bumper to bumper, whoever dares get in his way. And you got the person on the right hand that's scared to death, right, white-knuckling, just trying to get to that next exit, right? You got the person in the middle, just going down the middle. And then you got the one going in and out, the Plinko board down the interstate, right? Some of us don't even know what Plinko is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anyway, we're all flying down the interstate. We're all chasing after. Now, you have those things that we all know are definitely sins. The sexual sins, the, the drugs, the alcohol abuse. All of that stuff's right there in the world too, right? Perfectly available to all of us. Thankfully, I feel most of us probably aren't struggling with that, although there may be some. But it's the other things what, what we would all consider to be the good things, family engagements and commitments, work, chasing after the successes of work, school, sports teams, athletics, whatever it be, that's the things that we're pursuing with everything we've got. Again, it's chasing after the things of the world, even though we know it's lesser than the life following Christ. So, as we picture the 10 lanes of interstate traffic and everybody flying down the road, and riches, attention, success, what does Solomon say we're chasing? The wind. And that's exactly what that is. Every single one of us flying down that interstate or flying as fast as we can, chasing after the wind. We'll never catch it. We'll never get there. We'll have little bits of joy along the way because there are some good things in this world, thank the Lord, but it'll never satisfy. It'll never, we'll never feel that we arrived. And how did Solomon know that? Because he had it all, right? More than we could ever imagine he had it all. And at the end, he said, absolutely worthless, just a waste of time. And yet, here we are all out on that interstate. Now, I asked you if you got the picture of that, the traffic, and the weaving in and out. How do you describe that? Peaceful? Joyful? Loving? Not even close, right? And that's where we live. So, what's the opposite of the interstate? For me, probably for a lot of you, a cabin in the mountains. And not a rustic cabin. This one has everything you could need, right? <laughs> it's got the beautiful view of the mountains, the huge windows on the backside, and you can look out with the view, and you got your most comfortable chair and couch and comfortable clothes and your blanket, nice fire going, and your coffee, and everybody's smiling because, yes, wonderful, right? Get me there. Now, adding your spouse to the picture hopefully makes it better right so we'll pretend they're there children I've ruined it for some right but we're gonna pretend they're the kids not our kids they're 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 good kids they're sitting on the rug they're playing they're sharing their toys they're asking each other every once in a while you hear them tell each other they love them And they look over and wave, and they tell you they love you. And it's peaceful. And there's joy there. And there's love. And that's where you want to be. And that's where you want to live. Now, what am I talking about? It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? We all know them. Let's go and read them. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Now, before we get to the fruit... We've got to talk about the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that's my analogy. That's what we're looking at now. That cabin in the woods, we can't live there and stay there forever. But as a Christian person, it's not a cabin in the woods. It's... Living in God's presence. It's and choose to live the way God has called you to live. And then you can take the joy and the peace from that cabin. And you can get out on the interstate when it's necessary. We have to live as part of this world. We can't. And those of us that have experienced the cabin... We'd kind of like to just hang out there, right? We get it. We get it. We know what the Christian life means, and we, we're, we're doing our best to live it. And that's where I'd like to hang out. I'll just, I can avoid all that. I don't, I've decided that there's nothing out there on that interstate that I truly want. So I'll just stay over here with what I do want, serving the Lord and, and, and interacting and fellowshipping with His people. And what's the problem with that? We're also ca- called to share that with others. We must be out there. We have to live. We have to work. And we want to pers- do the things in this world that are good and enjoy things that we can enjoy here. We don't just want to cut all of that out. But it is so much different <laughs> when you go out there and you're walking in the spirit as opposed to the flesh. When you take Christ out there on the interstate with you, you can experience all of those things with true and lasting joy. That's pretty much the end of what I have for you um, brings together all of the, the last two weeks. I mean, it's really just been, where are you living? Are you professing to be a Christian, or are you being a Christian? Are you, is it more to you than just what you say? Is it who you are? That's back to the Acts church. It wasn't, church wasn't something they did or somewhere they went, it was who they were. And I believe they experienced, they were experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, the true joy. Now, yeah, this is an Advent kickoff, I guess. When Isaiah gets back, this is what he'll be speaking on for four weeks. And, and hopefully this is just, like I said, it can just be a kickoff for that so just going forward for us as a church, for us as a community, for family and friends, I just hope that we do take this to heart, that we truly do evaluate our lives. What's important to us? What do we want? And if we say, well, let's all live in the Christian life, then there's probably some changes we need to make. We all do. That's the whole point. No matter how much of the cabin that you've experienced or or the presence of God in your life, no matter how much you've turned from the world, we can all continue to improve. We have not arrived and we will not arrive. And what we've got to realize too is every single person around us in this church right now is in the same boat. We're all sinners. We're all dealing with different things on different levels. Not one of us is perfect. And as we talked about last week, we're called to lift each other up, help each other along. And that's back to taking the thoughts captive. Don't let the negativity get in your mind. Focus on the positive things. Focus on the fact that, again, we're all sinners and we're all on this road of life and we need each other. We need each other's help and support in lifting up and focusing on the good things. One more point I want to make, then I'll close. It's, it's a Facebook discussion. <laughs> I hate to even go there. Um, most all of us, what do we post? If, we, if we're a poster. It's pictures of things we're proud of right? It's our kids. It's it's their, their achievements in school, their achievements in sports and life. It's here lately. It's been deer season. I love all the pictures. It's wonderful. We're proud of that, and that's good. What would Facebook look like if we were all posting what we profess to be the most important thing in our life? If it was flooded with your, your little recording of your kids with their memorizing their weekly scripture verse. Pictures of youth camp. Pictures of youth rallies. Pictures of events. Now there's two things. One, we're hesitant to post that stuff because it kind of puts a target on us, doesn't it? We know there's going to be people that are going to have their opinions about it. Let them have them. Share the good stuff. And as the Christian people... That see somebody else post something like that, take your thought captive and be supportive. Don't start in with judgment on what they're doing. I just thought about that, so I wanted to share it, because to me, what a we, again, we profess that that's our most important thing in life, and yet you hardly see anybody posting and sharing about it. And what a step that would be if all of us did, if all of us were interacting with each other in a Christian manner. So as Wendy comes, we'll close uh, with a song just like last week. So just think on it. What's God calling you to change? What's God calling you to do? I feel like he's talking to people, talking to all of us. There's things we all know we can improve on and do better at. So as we sing, take time to think through it.